Kane is in the building. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. There's two things I really love in this life. The first is the rich history of the Pittsburgh Steelers football organization with so many great players in every single position. And the second is top five lists. So I figured a great feature here on the Steelers Standard would be to marry both of those things. Okay. Whoa, Mary. Whoa. As I'm getting married as, as well this As Tom week. is getting married this weekend. And this will be my last episode for a little bit as I will be adventuring the West Coast on a honeymoon with my beautiful bride-to-be soon. But, boys, a new feature that we're starting here and that you guys can work through while I am gone, it's called the All-Time Standard. And what it is is we look at each different position group on a football roster, but specifically the Pittsburgh Steelers roster, quarterbacks, running backs, offensive line, wide receivers, etc. You get the picture. And we are going to determine the top five at that position. And to kick things off for our very first episode of the all-time standard, we're going to go with the quarterback room. And this is probably the obvious place to start, but when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, as we work our way up our list, you'll see here, it's a two-horse race, really, when it comes to this organization. It was kind of tough. A little bit of a stretch to come up with the guys at the bottom of this top five list. But I think, you know, you got to start you the obvious place. You just kind of look up who's the passing leaders in Pittsburgh Steelers history. Yeah. And the guys that you kind of come up with in that top ten, you know, number ten is Mike Tomzak. Number nine is Tommy Maddox. Number eight is Mark Malone. Number seven is Jim Finks. Six is Bobby Lane. And five is Bobby Brister. And those are the guys that I say there because I think those are the fringe guys that you can put at number five, and I still believe you. The guy I'm going to go with at number five, in the way back machine, 1958 starter, Bobby Lane. And the only real reason why is because... His career after. He threw 66... That's a good point. Yeah. But he threw 66 touchdowns back in 1958 through 1962. It's pretty decent for a mm-hmm. time when they didn't really pass the ball too, too much. But also he went 27-19-2 and two as a Pittsburgh Steelers starter. That's not bad. And records are really a lot when it comes to a starting quarterback. And you look at guys like Tommy Maddox was 15-16-1. Mark Malone was 21-24. and 24. Jim Finks was 18-27. and 27. And none of those guys threw as many touchdowns as Bobby Lane did now. Bobby Lane threw 81 interceptions and a 7% interception rate. But I I still think that he would be the guy that I would put at number five. And the guy that I would snub there is the number five uh, leader in passing yards in Steelers history, Bobby Brister, the quarterback from 1986 to 1992. 28-29 record for Bobby. Only threw 51 touchdown passes. So although he did throw for some more yardage than Bobby Lane, it just is clear to me that I think Bobby Lane was probably the better quarterback. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I think Bobby Brister's five for me. You just kind of slandered. I mean, it's tough because, I mean, let's be honest here. We're 320-somethings here. We've never seen these guys play. The real real meat of this episode is going to come when we debate two versus one. Yeah, and and I guess, you know, once you get the three, two, there may be some names you can recognize anyways. Um, Not that you don't recognize recognize Bobby Brister, but at the same time, you know, it's so hard to talk. And this is a broader uh, conversation, but it's so hard – to talk about quarterbacks from that era, from the 50s and 60s, and hell, sometimes even the 70s, because of the fact 
football is so different, you know, and like y- you can look at numbers and you can look at yards. Like I know Brister threw for 10,000 career yards and, and Bobby, uh, Bobby Lane threw for 9,030. Yeah. It would seem like Bobby Brister is a better quarterback based on that alone. Um, but again, the, the game was so different back then. It's so hard to talk about court. I mean, and Oh, by the way, none of us were even, thought of like we weren't even a speck in the world at this point in time you know what i mean like our parents probably weren't even a speck in the world at this point in time so it it is hard to kind of decipher this but just looking at the all-time passing leaders i mean he's fifth all-time in steelers history that gives you a a little bit of indication i'm gonna go lane here just because when we as talent pointed out we weren't around to see either of these guys However, since the start uh, since the start of the Steelers rise to the top of the NFL when they became the model of all NFL franchises in the 70s, the one bad era you hear about is the 80s and the one quarterback you really attribute to that era is Bobby Brister. So for me to put him in that <laughs> top fair. 5 for me is is hard to do. Now, I didn't get to see him play. So take that with a grain of salt if you will. But to me, I mean growing up hearing older cousins or aunts and uncles or my dad or my grandparents talk about the Steelers in the 80s, they talked about it with such distaste in their, in their voices because it was such a bad time considering how high they were just the decade before. And sure, they didn't rise to that level again in the 90s, but at least they were competitive and at least they made the Super Bowl one year and they made it to the AFC Championship game another year. So I can't in terms of the past 50 years when the Steelers have really been the cream of the crop to put a quarterback who led the team during the worst decade of that era or of that time, I can't, I, I'm sorry, Bubby, but I can't do it. I got to go lane here. Yeah, I think Bobby Lane, number five, is a smart choice, Jacob. It's fair. Because I was the one that also made that That's choice. fair. So put Bobby Lane firmly at that number five spot. Kellen, you made a good, compelling argument for Bobby Brister, but I'm sorry you lose, sir. That's fine. You'll be rewarded no points. That's fine. And may God have mercy on your soul. Right on. But also, Jacob, you know, put yourself in the shoes of a Pittsburgh Steelers fan in 1958. Bobby Lane was a superstar for the Detroit Lions before he got here and was – he is in the Hall of Fame as it stands right now. And he ended his career with a four-year run with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Sorry, I misspoke earlier. I should have said his career before he came to the Steelers, not after. But that's just, you know, for an organization that start, was started in 1933 and yeah. didn't really see much success until the 70s, that's a really nice little stretch there where you got a superstar-level player in your organization. And, you know, I think that that's good enough to carry him into the number five, even though he really didn't do much with right. the Pittsburgh Steelers. I guess my argument for putting Lane over Brister was more anti-Brister than pro-Lane. I guess you're more pro-Lane than anti-Brister. There you go. Okay. Exactly. I'm the opposite. Number four. I'm putting Slash at number four as far as my list Mm. is concerned. I got Cordell Stewart as the number four quarterback in the all-time standard for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Played for the team from 1995 to 2002. Played in 113 games. He had a record of 46 and 29. It's not bad. Really great defenses surrounding him, but he was also a very dynamic player. He threw for 13,328 yards. That's good for third all-time, excuse me, in Pittsburgh Steelers history. 70 tutties to 72 interceptions, so just two more interceptions than he threw touchdowns in his career for the Steelers. Uh, He had 12 game-winning drives as a Pittsburgh Steeler as well in his career. So Cordell Stewart... 
Although he's third all-time in passing yards, I got him at number four. And the reason why is because he was never able to get the team over that hump. And the quarterbacks that I have on my list ahead of him, the three ahead of him, you know, although only two of them won it, three of them did get them over that hump and into that big game. So yeah. since Cordell could only get to the AFC Championship game and fell short of that goal of getting to that Super Bowl uh, as a quarterback, he was on the roster as a yeah, wide receiver right, right. whenever the Steelers went to the Super Bowl with the guy I have in front of him, funny enough, on this list. But, yeah, Cordell for me, he was number four in Steelers history, and if he were to able to just get to that one Super Bowl, I probably would have had him over uh, Neil O'Donnell and had him at number three. Um, he was also just so dynamic and, and really almost ahead of his time when you think about it. A guy who was a wide receiver at first, and then they make that transition to the quarterback position, and he was good. I mean, he certainly could throw the ball for sure. The numbers clearly spell that out. You don't throw for 13,328 yards in this league right. by accident. Uh, but dynamic with his feet as well. Superstar athlete. Uh, like I said, kind of ahead of his time when it comes to the position. You wonder what he would have been able to do had he come up in this era because you know, not only yeah. did he have that speed and that skill set as a Lamar and a Kyler Murray, but he was also a bigger guy too as well. It looked like that more prototypical quarterback in addition to being a super athlete. But yeah. I got him at number four, uh, long story short. Yeah, uh, and I'll talk about him in a second. I actually I have Neil O'Donnell Neil at four. four. I'm with um, Calvin on this one. Yeah. And okay. I guess nice. it's just, I don't know. I don't know if it's the bad taste that, you know, I know how, how Jacob mentioned when, you know, people talk about Bobby Brister that it wasn't a good time. And, and I mean, mm -hmm. I know I know the 90s were a different time, and, and I know that they got to a Super Bowl with Neil O'Donnell. I understand that. But, man, every time his name is brought up, it seems like, you know, people just – uh, Neil O'Donnell, you know what I mean? The only thing you, you hear about Neil O'Donnell is when they talk about Super Bowl thirty, yeah. the ridiculous pick sixes he threw. I, I mean, mean, one of them wasn't his fault, but at the same time, that's not how everybody views it. You know what I mean? Right, that right. When, when you're in the Super Bowl and, and you throw two picks and it, it, it never really works out for you. And, oh, by the way, you know, I know that he was pretty good when he was here. You know, he was only here for four years, but at the same time, you, you take your – team to a Super Bowl, that does tell you something. Um, but at the same time, as a lot of people have pointed out, the fans, you know, they weren't ever going to let him play here again Yeah, after that. You know, he knew after that Super Bowl that he was never going to be able to play in Pittsburgh again. And it's kind of funny. That's sort of how the Penguins are with their goalie right now. It's the same exact sort of thing. You know, you make a gaffe that bad, you're never going to play here again. You know, and, and it leaves a sour taste in their mouths. Granted, I mean, he's the fourth all-time leading passer in, in, in Steeler history. So that that tells you something. But I have him at four and um, just because of, I guess, the sour taste that, you know, the Super Bowl and I guess my, my older relatives talk about, you know. Yeah, so for me, it's, it's a combination of anti-O'Donnell and pro-Cordell Stewart. We were all very, very young the year that Cordell Stewart took the Steelers to the AFC Championship game. I was only, I think, seven years old or turning seven years old, so I don't even remember following the season. But I think my first Steelers memory was when they got to the playoffs, just watching those that playoff run, even though it ended, obviously not on the best of terms, not on the best of ways that you would that you would hope, but still, I mean, I wasn't old enough to kind of be able to know, okay, here comes Sunday, and I know I'm going to be sitting down in front of the TV watching the Steelers. That's not what happened, 
But I do remember the first memory I have was it was such a big deal that they had done such a good job with Cordell Stewart. Uh, this is really the first season since Super Bowl Thirty that the Steelers had made, like had had garnered together a really, really good team. And I believe they like did something like twelve and four, thirteen and three that year. So they did very well in the, in the regular season. But I don't even remember those games. It was just the two playoff games. And I just remember sitting down with family, watching those games, not really knowing what was going on because I was so young. I, w- I ha- didn't really know the rules of football. But those two games were really the first memories I have, if not the first memory I have of watching the Steelers. So more of a sentimental value for me. I got to put Cordell Stewart up there. Also, too, you guys mentioned, had he come into the league maybe 10 years later, People are talking about Cordell Stewart the way they talk about Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton. He was really the first guy to really do that in a modern NFL era. So to me, I mean, it really was just the fact that I I got to see Cordell Stewart for such a short window, and I didn't see Neil O'Donnell. The only thing I know about Neil O'Donnell is his piss-poor performance in Super Bowl Thirty. So we're going to go Neil O'Donnell number four, Cordell Stewart number three, uh, as I have been outvoted. But just the case quickly for Neil O'Donnell at number three for me. Like I said, although he didn't do well in that Super Bowl, he was able to get to that Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. He was able to win a trophy for the team, winning the AFC championship game and and getting to the big dance uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Another thing, and it's really just funny because, you know, that interception that he had in the Super Bowl is the thing he's most known for and will forever be known for in Pittsburgh Steelers fandom and really in the NFL circles as well. But he had 68 touchdowns and only 39 interceptions in his 66 career play games as a Steelers quarterback. So he was incredible at protecting the football for the most part. In fact, his 2.1% interception percentage is the lowest in team history beating Ben Roethlisberger out by just 0.5% there. So uh, it's unbelievable that this guy's career gets kind of painted as that one interception in the Super Bowl, and it should be, rightly so. But his really MO was a very conservative quarterback that, for the most part, did not turn the ball over and really you know, let his defense carry the day. And those defenses were just awesome back yeah. in that day as well. Uh, and the 39-22 and record is what he was carried to. So... Although he had five less wins than Cordell uh, in Cordell's career, he also had uh, seven less losses. So yeah. that's just quickly the case for Neil Donna. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm totally comfortable with putting Cordell Stewart at number three as well. I mean, he's got better stats. He's got more touchdown passes, and he's got thrown for more yards than Neil O'Donnell. And, you know, just overall the more exciting similar. player. Yeah, and too. exactly changed the game, too. Yeah, I mean, he like we talked about, um, he was – Cordell was the first guy that – really had that that running quarterback. I mean, his, his nickname was Slash mm-hmm. um, for a reason. And, and, you know, I know we've made this point, but it's just – it's unfortunate when you think about Cordell Stewart and you talk about him because you just wonder what could have been, right. you know, if he was born 10 years later. You know what I mean? Like, or 20 years later, whatever it is. It, it, it's really interesting because I don't think – I don't think the world, I don't think the football world was ready for that sort of style of quarterback yet. Um, you know, and I think it's pretty obvious. You know, you look at some of the numbers that he, that Cordell Stewart put up. I mean, his, in 2001, when he was a Pro Bowl, he threw for 3,109 yards. And that year, he also ran for 537 yards. Um, back then, you didn't see that, you know, and, and I don't think the football world was ready for that. Um, 
I don't know. I, I just, like I said, I know we've made that point, but again, it, it's just interesting to think about what could have been. Now it comes to the big two. Terry Bradshaw or Ben Roethlisberger. And before we even reveal where we have them, we can just debate the two off the top. You know, Terry Bradshaw, it comes down to he's a four-time Super Bowl champion. He was the quarterback throughout that dynasty of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Won Super Bowl MVP a couple of times. 107 wins in his career. Only 51 losses. That's Those teams barely lost football games. Uh, he threw for 2,790. 27,989 yards, second most in team history, 212 touchdowns to 210 interceptions, so almost an even split as far as touchdowns and interceptions are concerned. Good for the second most in team history, but again, he's got those four rings, which those really, you know, you shine those in people's faces, that's unbelievable, that accomplishment he was able to pull off in the 70s, winning back-to-back Super Bowls twice in his career. But the thing that has Ben Roethlisberger with the edge would be the statistics, where it is just overwhelming in favor of Ben Roethlisberger. He's different era though. Doubled up Terry Bradshaw as far as passing yards are concerned. He has sixty thousand three hundred forty-eight and counting, three hundred and ninety-six touchdowns to Terry's two hundred and twelve, and he's only thrown two hundred and one interceptions to Terry's two hundred and ten. Ben has an interception percentage of two point six percent. That's really the debate that it comes down to is Super Bowl rings versus stats. And, you know, I don't know if you can really go wrong either way you lean. No, I don't know if you can either. Um, You know, and again, as Jacob pointed out, it's different eras. So not to say it's not fair to talk about the statistics because it is and they are what they are. And, you know, I know Ben has the privilege of playing in a different era, obviously a a passer friendly era. Um, But at the same time, as you mentioned, Bradshaw does have the four Super Bowl rings. Um, And that's something that a lot of people thought Ben was going to be chasing for a long time or that he would catch Terry, especially early, you know, in his career, what is second or I guess, I guess it was the second year in the league. You win a Super Bowl, you win uh, your first one. You have a long career to go. A lot of people thought, Hey, he's going to get to Terry. He's going to break Terry's record and he's still chasing it in year 18, you know, and, um, but again, when you look at it, I don't know if you can go anywhere, any, you know, if you go either way, it's wrong. I, I, I don't think you could convince me that it's wrong one way or the other. But again, it, it's just, it's like I mentioned at the top of the episode, it's so, it, it's so hard and it, it's kind of, it, it's just tough to, to rank these things because they are different eras. And let's be honest here. We've seen only one of these guys play football and we've seen them play football our entire life. Um, right. You know, again, there's a little bit of a bias there. But at the same time, as you said, Tom, I mean, if, you know, people older than us would say Bradshaw's the best, I couldn't sit there and really argue with him that long. I really couldn't. I don't, honestly, there is no right or wrong argument here. It's just which do you prefer? Do you prefer the numbers or do you prefer the rings? And when you talk about this franchise, I think the one thing that has to stand out to everyone is the rings. So I think. I'm going to keep it simple here. As much as I've loved watching Ben these last nearly two decades, I think you got to just say to yourself, Terry went out there and won. However, if you want to say he had the better team overall surrounding him, maybe the better coach, that's that's a fair argument too that Terry had all those assets to him that maybe Ben didn't. Not to say that Coach Tomlin and Coach Cower and the defenses surrounding Ben and the, and the offensive weapons he had around him weren't 
nearly as good. It's just when you talk about greatest of all time, the Seagulls defense is up in that category. When you talk about greatest coaches of all time, Chuck Knoll is up in that conversation. So I, I can't not give credit, though, to Terry Bradshaw, who despite having the, the best defense maybe of all time, still went out there and won the Super Bowl MVP, also won a regular season MVP, something Ben Roethlisberger never did. So I'm going to keep it simple here. I'm just going to say rings rule supreme, and I'm going to go Terry 1, Ben 2. I got Ben Roethlisberger as the best quarterback I in Pittsburgh Steelers history. Mm. I mean, I understand what you're saying, Jacob, and rings do rule, but that would really be my argument if Ben Roethlisberger had pulled a Dan Marino and put up all these gaudy numbers. And yeah, never won. won. Yeah. Then I would be like, well, Terry Bradshaw is absolutely going to be my best quarterback That's in fair. franchise history. but. Not only did Ben do it once, he did it twice, and he also got to another He's Super Bowl. He's been to three, right? Also, you know, you mentioned Terry Bradshaw. Maybe he had the better coach, and I agree with you. He did. I mean, Chuck Knoll. Right. Uh, yeah. right. Other than yeah. Bill Belichick, Chuck Knoll is probably the second best coach in the history of the sport of football. Yeah. And he was only just recently passed for right. being the best coach right, in the history right. of football. And, but with Ben Roethlisberger, he won a Super Bowl with two different head coaches, and that you got to put point. credit in that basket right. as well. With sure. Bill Cowher winning a Super Bowl with him at the end of Cowher's run, and then Mike Tomlin at the very beginning of his career winning a Super Bowl with him, and then also getting going to, to another, another Super one, yeah, Bowl with Mike Tomlin. So, you know, Ben Roethlisberger with those numbers, and you know, a sixty-four percent completion percentage to Terry Bradshaw's fifty-one percent completion percentage, and I know it is a different era, and you pass the ball a lot more. But to have a completion percentage that much better when you are passing the ball so much more, I just feel like you're taking when you take rings out of it and take team success out of it as far as wins are concerned, you're just better at playing that position yeah. at, at completing a pass to a wide receiver than Terry Bradshaw was. And, you know, the other thing that and we can get into this a little bit with Ben Roethlisberger as we talk about him, because that's the guy we've seen the most in our mm -hmm. life. Forty six game winning drives. Mm hmm. 35 fourth-quarter comebacks. That's insanity. Terry Bradshaw, just to compare, 15 fourth-quarter comebacks, 23 game-winning drives. Ben Roethlisberger doubles him up in both categories as far as that's concerned. And, you know, that's been Ben Roethlisberger's M.O. is he puts that Superman cape on in the fourth quarter when the game's tied or the Steelers are down close, and he pulls out wins that they probably should be losses. And that's right. just – that's the best memories that I have from him, you know, growing up is his ability to do that, to – clutch victory away from the jaws of defeat and like i said with two rings on his finger and all those stats doubling up terry and most of the statistical categories including probably touchdown passes when it's all said and done I, I give my number one quarterback spot to ben roethlisberger yeah i think that's fair um i mean i have i've been at, at number one as well and when you look at ben um you know i know it's different eras and i know all of that but um it, it's it's just it's been for us. It's been a little different because, like we keep talking about, we've seen Ben literally our entire life of watching football from the moment that I really started mm -hmm. watching football and understanding it and picking it up. Um, you know, in, in like about 2004, when I was like six or seven years old, or however old I was when Ben came in. Like that's the first guy you watch. You know, and I know it's I know that's Homer kind of, and I know that's kind of not the argument. But at the same time, when you watch a guy that. Um, has won two Super Bowls here, been to another one, done it with two coaches, and oh, by the way, um, you know, he's a for sure first, I don't know if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but oh, I he, bet is, he is. He's a for sure Hall of Famer and with, without question. Um, and, you know, 
I don't know. It's just when you look at Ben, he's just one of the – and I think to uh, that point, he's one of the most underappreciated um, quarterbacks, I think, in, in recent memory and definitely in Steelers history. Um, and I know that sounds weird because he's the all-time leading passer in Steelers history. But at the same time, I think a lot of people, and especially recently, um, you know, the last three, four, five years, whatever it is, really – you know, it's like that old saying, you don't know what you have until it's gone. And and Ben is the perfect example of that. Hell, Terry Bradshaw is the perfect sure. example of that because of, you know, the, the lineage that it took to get to Ben. But, um, you know, he's so underappreciated um, nationally and hell, even in Pittsburgh, sometimes he's underappreciated. You know, sometimes I watch him and I think to myself, how in the world did he make that play? You know, mm-hmm. you think back, especially, you know, when he's a little younger and he can move a little bit more. Um, you're like, no one else in the league can make that play. The way that he makes that play, the toughness that it takes to make that play. And a lot of guys do it with finesse, but, you know, Ben is just one of the toughest dudes. I mean, it, it's really, it's an incredible career. And, I mean, again, I know Terry has the four rings, but, you know, for me, it's all about Ben beating him by almost, what, 30,000 30, career yards. It's it pretty is, impressive. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I said, there is no right or wrong answer here. I think they're both all-time greats. I think they're both going to be remembered. As Callum just mentioned, Ben doesn't always get the praise he deserves from the national media. He's a little underappreciated, even when he was at the peak of his career playing with Antonio Brown. He was more so, let's give credit to Antonio Brown and zero to Ben Roethlisberger. And, hey, let's... Let's compare him to Eli Manning and, and, and Philip Rivers, two guys who don't even come close if you really boil it down in terms of numbers, in terms of wins, in terms of all-around quarterback ability. Those guys don't even come close to the quarterback that Big Ben is. It's just, it's just when you're Ben Roethlisberger, you're going up against a guy in, in your franchise like Terry Bradshaw, it's totally different from what those two guys are doing. I mean, Philip Rivers and Dan Fouts, it's an easy conversation. Eli Manning and maybe who else? Phil Sims. I mean, I wouldn't really go with either there. I would just take either of our guys over both of them easily. So it's really, you got to just catch me on whichever day I'm feeling. If it's after Super Bowl 43, even if it's after Super Bowl 45, the loss, and I'm looking at Ben saying, yeah, you're not, you don't have the perfect record that Terry does anymore. But even right after the heels of that loss, I was probably saying to myself, well, you've still gone to three in your first, what, seven years in this league, six years in this league. Who all can say that they've done that? Probably no one. So it's an impressive feat by Ben. And I honestly just think it depends on the day. In terms of this conversation, for, our, for today's sake, I'm in a pro-Terry Bradshaw boat. I guess you could say I, I'm on the Terry side of things for right now, but maybe if if Ben comes back this year and somehow wills this team as a team of destiny to to win in his final year in the NFL, if he goes out as Super Bowl champion, then I don't think you can make the argument against Ben after that. If Ben actually wins a third Super Bowl, especially in his last year as a Pittsburgh Steeler, I think it's virtually impossible. Three to four rings, either any any NFL other NFL franchise would say if I had to choose between three quarterback or three Super Bowl rings for one quarterback or four Super Bowl rings with another, you it's a toss up. You can't say, but the fact that the numbers don't lie, as Tom listed out, the the fourth quarter comebacks, the the game winning drives, and nearly thirty thousand more passing yards, it's an incredible feat. I think if Ben does win a Super Bowl this year, the conversation is is just over. It's it's Ben one, Terry two, except. 
that hasn't happened yet. So today I'm saying Terry won, Ben two. Come back to me tomorrow, and I could be saying the opposite. Well, I think it's also you mentioned Terry Bradshaw. He won a Super Bowl MVP, also regular season MVP. Terry two two Super, two Bowl Super Bowl MVPs and one a regular season. Ben Roethlisberger, MVP. although he did not get the Super Bowl MVP, should have gotten the one with Santonio. San should Holmes. have gotten it, but more importantly. I know San Antonio has that Super Bowl MVP, and I will never take, try to take that away from him. You know, you as a fan will always remember Ben Roethlisberger when it comes to that amazing drive against the Cardinals to put that stake in their heart and win that Super Bowl for the Steelers. It's something that's not going to be, you know, remembered as the San Antonio Holmes drive. It's going right. to forever be burned into my brain as of course ben the Ben Roethlisberger game-winning drive. Of course, drive without question, but. That's going to do it for the first edition of the all-time standard. The official top five Pittsburgh Steelers quarterbacks in history are Bobby Lane at five, Neil O'Donnell at four, Cordell Stewart at three, Terry Bradshaw at two, and Big Ben Roethlisberger at number one. That is your all-time standard for quarterbacks. Make sure you keep listening to the Steelers standard as we work our way through each position group on the Pittsburgh Steelers as we continue to nail down the all-time standard for the entire history of the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. On our next episode, though, on an episode earlier this week, we played a little from the ceiling to the floor talking about teams in the AFC. We did not finish that, so we will work our way through the AFC some more. If you want to check out what we have already done, you can tune into our previous episode, and you can find that at Steelers.com. Just look at the podcast page, find Steeler Standards, and you will be able to find it. I believe it's labeled from the ceiling to the floor or something along those lines. But for Jacob Recht and Kellen Gursky, I'm Tom Opperman. That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks, as always, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.